morning. All right, well, um, why don't we pray one more time here together and then we'll review here. Father, we're looking to you for help. We need you every day. We need you right now. Um, pray that this time would be pleasing to you. Help us. Uh, we want to know you more and we want to be changed by your word. I pray you'd help us by your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, just I'm going to go pretty quick through the review because we've been doing this series on prayer for a while. And we just talked about how prayer is uh, an area that, in terms of evangelical um, United States, self reported, fall pretty short on, uh, even in our own um, admission, right? People will admit prayer is something that's difficult. um, And Bible reading and things like that, studying knowledge, um, people rate a lot higher. They do a lot better with reading the Bible than actually praying and how they would report how they feel their their life, um, their walk with God is, if they feel like they're honoring Him, if they're satisfied with where they're at. And we just talked about how, really, um, there's three big motives we wanted to hit on prayer. And we spent several weeks on that. Humility was the first one we talked about, that we need God. God is above us. He knows what we need. He's more wise than we are by orders of magnitude, just like Andy was sharing on. He's the Almighty. He knows everything. And we're sinners in need of forgiveness. We're sinners in need of help today. We need salvation. We need just physical things like bread. And so we come to God and we ask for help. So humility is a motive to prayer. And then love, love to people. If we love people, there's difficult things going on all over the world and in our lives and in the lives of people around us. I want to pray for them. Not only love to people, but love to God. And next week, Lord willing, we'll talk about worship and thankfulness and how that's a motive to prayer. So love, humility, love to people, love to God. And then faith. And we we talked last week about faith being a motive to prayer, specifically faith in a person, and three persons to be really specific, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but faith in God, who is personal. And just like Kay was talking about Habakkuk, you know, he he prayed and asked this question, you know, uh, of God, when, how, why, what, and God gave him the answers, and it didn't really help him until God reminded him of the who, and who's in control? Who is God? And so we just talked about that, that when we say faith, we're talking about faith in a person, in the person of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, who we know, and that's the reason we can trust him. So we kind of split faith up into two messages last week, just focusing in on remembering it's a person, uh, three persons, one being God, who we trust. And if we don't really get a hold of that, it's going to be difficult. And our lives are going to be difficult. But if we know that, it's going to help us. And so then today we're going to kind of cover the second half of faith being a motive to prayer and move from, start with faith in the personal God who we know and we know we can trust because of who he is and what he's done and talk about faith in his word and applying that. um, That if we can trust the person, we can trust what they're saying. And so we're going to specifically talk about that 
today, faith and relating it to believing what God says. And so it's going to kind of jump around here. We're going to uh, start in Genesis 15, and I want to show you this. We're going to jump around a little bit, but uh, I really wanted you to see this. I thought I was just reading this to you, but it's pretty shocking in a way, I think. Um, And so I just want you to really see it for yourself. Genesis 15. This is quoted in the New Testament. This is where Abraham believes God and it's counted to him as righteousness. This comes up several times. But I want you to notice the context here as we read this. And I feel like it really shows something about faith. I'll read you a verse from Hebrews while you're turning there to Genesis 15. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he is and that he rewards those who seek him. Remember, believe and faith are the same word there. One's a verb, one's a noun. If you believe, what you have is faith. And if you have faith, what you do is believe. Same word there in the Greek. Um, Just different endings. But here we are in Genesis 15, which later on it talks about in Hebrews 11, Abraham. But let's read this account where Abraham believes God and it's accounted to him as righteousness. And I'll tell you the point here. What God wants from us and what motivates us to pray is, is real faith, not perfect faith. And there's a difference. Real faith, not perfect faith. So let's read this, starting in 15, verse 1. And after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward the heaven and number the stars, and if you are able to number them. If you are able to number them. And then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. So pause right there. That's the verse that's quoted uh, several times in the New Testament. And he believed the Lord, or he had faith, and it's counted to him as righteousness. And we call Abraham the father of the faith. He started out with faith, and just like Abraham believed God, and it was counted as righteousness, so all Christians believe God, and it's counted to them as righteousness. Just believing what God said, that it's true. But now notice the next, the very next verse, because this is the part that I feel like gets missed. The context. So think about this. Abraham just had this massive moment that echoes throughout the whole Bible, this believing God moment. But look what he says, very next verse. Verse 7. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans and give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know I shall possess it? (laughs) Think about that. The very next, it's like in the middle of this conversation, he believes God has counted as righteousness. And the next thing out of Abraham's mouth, Oh God, how do I? How am I going to know that I'm going to possess it? So do you see why this is real faith, not perfect faith? He's saying he really believes God is going to give him these children. He really believes, like, God, you're going to do what you said. And it's, he, he trusts God. He's, going to, he's counted him as righteousness. Does he have perfect faith at that moment? No. He still struggled. There's still things that he struggled with. The very next thing God says about the land, 
He's like, yeah, but really? (laughs) How am I really going to know? And so it's really important to see this in context because it's it's true for every Christian that when we talk about faith being a motive to prayer, that doesn't mean we believe God perfectly on every point. Right? It means that we have real faith in the God who is, who we can trust. But we don't have perfect faith yet. None of us do. So when you become a Christian, what really happens is you really believe God. You really believe that what God said, that He loves you, that He's going to wash away your sin by the blood of Jesus. But you might still struggle to believe other things, like that God really knows what's going on in your life today, that God is going to take care of you um, tomorrow, that this specific, maybe some specific difficulty of maybe with your finances, you're still struggling to believe God and trust God there. That doesn't mean you're not a Christian. Look at Abraham here. What God is looking for is real faith, not perfect faith. This is really important because trust God with what you can where you are. Start. Start with, well, that Jesus cares about you and that his blood can wash away your sins. Start with that, definitely. But believe God. And on the other things, what do you do? Well, do just what Abraham did. Go to him. Talk to him. So we want real faith, not perfect faith. It's really important. It's really, really important because we can get really messed up here and, and one area, and this is a little aside, but one area that we could go off if, um, if, you, if you focus too much on you know, unbelief, you can get to where you can't admit where you're really at. If you're so scared of unbelief, and we know in, in a way unbelief is wrong, right? That's very clear. We want to believe God. But if we're not clear that God is looking for real faith, not perfect faith, then we could admit when we're struggling. We can say, hey, I'm wrestling with God on this. I'm still struggling here. Uh, I'm, or ask questions. I don't understand this, just like Abraham. God, how, do, how am I going to know this? <laughs> And God doesn't rebuke him. He just keeps on. He keeps working with him and teaching him. And God wants him to grow in his faith, but he's willing to work with him where he's at. So reason this is important, one negative thing that we can avoid if we really see this clearly is we can just be honest where, we are, where we're at. I'm not sure about that. I don't, I'm struggling here. Um, I want to believe God more in this area. Um, you know, I had a friend who he was struggling with things and and you know how do I reconcile some of these things? And and the advice he got was, well, if you're if it if you're struggling to believe, just don't think about it. Don't try and learn anymore, and just put it out of your mind, you know. And I I think part of that is um, a really a misunderstanding of what real faith is. Real faith is not complete certainty on every point. You understand everything perfectly. Real faith is I'm really trusting God. Do I have everything figured out? No. Are there things I even struggle with? Yeah. But I know who I'm trusting. I'm trusting God. And so I think it can I think it can help us to have this really clear in our mind. But it leads to the second point. Because we don't want to just st- stop here. We don't want to just say, well, God just wants real faith. Uh, not perfect faith. There's more. God wants us to grow in our faith. Okay? And so that's that's a necessary second follow-up to this. God wants us to grow in our faith. 
now we're going to jump to the New Testament here. Like I said, we're going to jump around. And then I'm going to tie all this back in at the end, towards the last point, to, to prayer. Let's turn to Matthew. And talk about God wants real faith, not perfect faith. But he does want us to grow in our faith. And you see that really in that same point with Abraham, that he doesn't leave Abraham there. He doesn't say, well, it's okay, you know, that you you don't believe this other promise. He works with him because he wants him to believe. Matthew 17, I'm going to turn there. You probably know this passage pretty well. This is where Jesus heals the boy with the demon, and then he talks about faith like a mustard seed. Matthew 17. Let's start in verse 14. When they came to him, when they when they came to him, the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, "Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered them." O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples said to Jesus privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Why bring this this up? Well, it shows that we don't want to stop there. We don't want to stop with this idea of we want real, pay, real faith, but we still have imperfect faith. We want to realize, yeah, we don't want to stay there, though. We want to grow. And Jesus is, in call, is calling them to grow in their faith. And he's rebuking them for their little faith here. So we want to grow in our faith. And we want to believe God for more. We, don't want, to, we want to believe God for what we can where we are. And we want to grow and believe God for more. Um, we want to trust God more and more fully and completely as we go on in our Christian life. And I'll give you an illustration here. Kind of, This is kind of how we, as Christians, we struggle. You know, We don't believe everything God says all at once. It takes time and takes practice and it takes growth. But let's just, I'll use an illustration here. Imagine that you have to go somewhere and you ask us to watch your kids. And so you hand me one of your kids, maybe they're little, so they have to be held, little baby, and you hand me the car keys, maybe because um, there are car seats in the car. So it's like, well, here, take our car keys, the car seat's all set up, and you can just drive that around, which I can't drive right now, so I guess this is a bad illustration. <laughs> um, but... And then you start to feel nervous. Oh, I'm just, I'm not sure. I'm just worried about the kids. Um, oh, sorry, I misspoke. Sorry, I'm not, you, you hand these things to me and you say, I'm just, I'm a little nervous. I'm just so worried about the car keys. What if he drops those car keys? I'm holding your kid and your car keys and you worry about the car keys. What if I drop them? All right, which is more important? Which is a bigger deal, the kid or the car keys? And a lot of times... We do that with God, don't we? That we have a real faith. You're obviously, in that illustration, you'd really be trusting me with the child, right? It's like, oh, I don't think he's going to drop the child, but what if he drops the car keys? We do that with God. We trust God for our sins, our soul, our eternity. 
right? Those are massive things. Your soul. Jesus says, you know, it's worth more than, than the whole world. One, one soul. Your sins. A mountain of sins washed away by the blood of Jesus. That's amazing. You're trusting God for eternity. You're saying, God's going to take care of me forever and ever and ever, and I really believe He's given me eternal life. And then you got a bill that's not eternal, that comes due, and you don't quite have enough. And it's like, man, I just don't. I don't know if God's going to get us through this. You see this connection there? What's more important, your, your eternal soul and the eternal soul of your kids and all your sins or one bill? Or, you know, one house for sale, right? Uh, it's hard. I'm not, and I'm just as guilty as anybody else. We have real faith. You can have real faith in that situation. Like you really are trusting God for your sin and your soul and your life. And yet you still need to grow in your faith. And it needs to expand out, right? And to apply the truth that you know in more and more and more areas of your life. And we want that. All of us. Okay? And this leads to my third point, and this is going to be the last point, but we're going to kind of, it's going to be the longest point. And it, you'll see how it ties into all three of these. Daily faith. Okay? Real faith, not perfect faith. Growing faith. We don't want to be stagnant where we are. We don't want to say, well, I've got real faith. It's just not perfect faith and not want to grow. We want to grow. But we also, that leads us to a third thing, daily faith. And this, I want you to turn to Ephesians. End of Ephesians here. This is where we'll kind of camp out. I'll read a couple other verses, but I won't have you to turn there. I do want you to see this one as well, so if you would turn there. We'll spend some time here. Ephesians 6. I'll talk a little bit while you're turning there. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to look at the armor of God section. Daily faith. Think about some other verses that you already know. We walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is how we're saved, right? We're we're saved by faith in Christ and what He did. His blood washing away our sin. Entrusting Him with our soul, our sin, our life, our eternity. That's how we're saved. But we don't stop there. We walk by faith. The same way you begin the Christian life by trusting God, what He said is true, is the same way you live the Christian life every day. You trust God with your sins the next day. And you trust Him with your life the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. You walk by faith. We want daily faith. And this is one of the ways we grow in our faith, is by walking in faith daily. It's like exercising a muscle, you know. You're not going to, if you want to grow and get stronger, one really long day at the gym isn't going to get you there, (laughs) right? It takes time, and it takes years, and it takes day after day after day. And the reality is that that's the way our faith is. We need to exercise our faith daily. I'll just read some more verses here about daily faith. Think about this in Galatians. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see how the faith there is how he was saved, but it's ongoing every single day? I was saved. He's saying, I was saved by faith in Christ. But the life I now live, each day, I live 
by faith still. I'm still trusting each and every day that Christ is, is working in me. And I believe that. And I'm living by faith in God, working each day in my life, uh, and that he really is, and believing that. I'll give you another example. This is also from Galatians. That was a positive example. Here's a negative example. This is what Paul says to Galatians. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Let's pause right there. He actually goes on to talk about Abraham, which relates to what we talked about before, about Abraham being the man of faith. But the point is this. He's saying, you believed God, and that's how you were saved? Are you so foolish to think that you're, now you're beyond that? You started by faith, but now you're being perfected in your own effort. You don't have to continue to trust. You're going to work your way. You're going to work your way from here on out. That's not how it works. You started with faith, and the whole Christian life is by faith. And so, now on to us. What about us? There's a lot more. There's many, many more verses that we could cover about daily faith commands and and yeah there's so much more we could go but one thing I'm trying to get better I was thinking about what Aaron said about um, just our each one of us is kind of is messed up (laughs) so it made me think about this today one thing I'm trying to get better at is not repeating myself so much in each sermon because I I tend to circle and circle and circle Um, and get to the point, and actually I think you'll get the point better if I kind of am more precise, <laughs> so that it's not like, what was the point? I rambled too much to where you forgot the point to begin with. Um, but on the other hand, I think I want to repeat more over the long term. Like, there's things where it's like, uh, like, particular, this thing I'm about to share, I actually shared a whole message on before, and, but I think it's been years, and sometimes I'll say, oh, remember I gave a message on this? Like, no. It's like, oh, well maybe I should give that again. So I'm going to try and be shorter each week and be more to the point, but then maybe I'll be more free to review um, over time. But Okay, so the next thing I want to talk about here is this, putting us all together, faith and the connection with prayer. And so let's look at this armor of God section. I've shared this before. There's a whole message. I shared a whole message on this. So if I go quick and you want to go back, you can always re-listen to that, um, some of the details, especially kind of the grammar stuff. I'll just be brief on. But let's start here in the armor of God. We're going to start in verse 13. The punchline is uh, that this whole armor of God is taken up by prayer. Actually, okay, I changed my mind in the moment. I'm not going to start in verse 13. Let's look at verse 18, and then we'll go back and read the whole thing. Verse 18. Praying is the ESV praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert, with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints. Okay, here's what I believe, and I think it's it's based on the grammar um, that I believe this. When it says, take up the armor of God, how do you do that? What does that mean, to take up the armor of God? He's saying, you take it up by praying. That this whole thing, the whole armor of God passage, is related to prayer. And actually, it's kind of interesting because you know, there's different translation philosophies, and some are more wooden. Like, I'm just going to translate word for word. Some are more like thought for thought. And 
Interestingly, the, the more wooden ones actually get um, more off here on this particular section. The NAS says this, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. Um, so, what I want you to notice here, and you can see it if you have the ESV, that it starts with the word praying. Praying. It's a sentence fragment. That There's actually this kind of a longer sentence here, and this is the second half. But the verb is taking. Take up the armor of God. Take the helmet of salvation. That's the verb. And 18 is... Literally, this is, a way, this is a literal translation, through all prayer. And the word through is actually missing in the NAS. Maybe that word with is what they meant, with all prayer. Um, but it's very clearly, how do we do this? Through all prayer praying, and to this end keep alert. That the armor of God is something we take up by prayer. Um, and if you want more details on that, I've, uh, there's a good section in um, Gordon Fee's book on commentary on Paul's letters where he goes over this in the grammar and he kind of argues it. Well, you know, you can't, this, they're translating this sen- sentence fragment in a way that's never translated anywhere else in the New Testament. So, probably not a good idea. <laughs> um, at least if you make it a, an imperative. So, anyways. All that is to say, you can see it in the English, um, praying at all times is the second half of the sentence, and it's very clearly a means. How do we do this? Through all prayer, praying. Praying is said twice, you know, in the New Testament and in the Old Testament when they say something two different times. And technically, this is actually said three times. There's two words for prayer back-to-back, prayer and supplication. But anyways, now back to the armor of God. I just want you to keep that in your mind. The last thing is, how do we take this up? We take it up through prayer. So let's start in verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, through all prayer, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. Okay, back to prayer and faith, daily faith, growing faith, real faith. One way we can apply this to our lives is we need to be believing God and trusting God every day with lots of things in our life. Not just our sins. Not just our souls. Not just our eternity. Everything we want to trust God for. And I was doing a Bible study and I asked a group um, one time it was like more of a discussion type group and I basically said, you know we start out the Christian life by faith um, and we're trusting God with our sins and our soul and our life. But are you trusting God with things each day? Do things come up in your life where you say, oh, wow, I'm nervous about this. God, uh, help me, and then tr- actually trust him, that he cares, that he's there, you know, whatever it is specifically, that he's going to help you, you know, something specific. It, it could be many different things, but where it's actually you're giving things over to faith, giving things over to God in faith each and every day. And they basically said, and they said, 
no, I don't do that. That I don't really trust God day to day with things. That it's just, it's kind of the foundation. Like I know that God's in control and I know that I've trusted him for my sins. But day to day when things come up, I don't turn to God. And I don't actually trust him with uh, A, B, and C. But I want to. Which is good. The but I want to is really important. And I think that's really how we all start out our Christian life, isn't it? I mean, where we are learning, we're growing, where we realize, wow, this is more. This needs, there needs to be more here that I'm trusting God for. And so I just want to encourage you, wherever you're at, wherever we are in our Christian life, I think we could all say that, that we can see you know, the areas we're trusting and then see there's areas where we aren't yet, and we want to. We want that circle of things we're submitting to God each day to be growing and growing and growing and growing, continually growing. And so I would just ask that same question to you. Is that your experience of the Christian life? Not just that you know Jesus died for your sins, but that each day there's other things coming into your life and you're trusting God with it, trusting God with conversations with people, trusting God with you know, disciplining your kids, trusting God with finances, physical things, needs. You know, the list could go on and on, everything in our life. And to see that circle of things you're submitting and trusting God with, growing and growing and growing, consciously trusting him each day with many, many things. And prayer is a big part of that. And I want to just give you a tool that I believe is scriptural. I'm basing this off my understanding of this whole passage is, is through, like I said, the grammar here that Paul set this up. I think we're supposed to take up the armor by faith through prayer. And so I'll just give you an example. I'm just going to walk through it with you, how this could apply to your life and how I think it could help you. And I'm not saying this is the only way, but this is the best way I understand it. So each one of these pieces of armor, pray through it. Take a specific situation in your life and pray through the armor of God. I'll give you an example. I'll just give you a personal example. This is how I've really done this in my own life. Okay, the whole church situation. We've had a hard season in our church. And it weighs on me emotionally and physically even if I can't sleep, you know, things like that. What do I do then? You know, how do I move forward? I need to trust God. And the way for me that I pray through this is I take up the armor of God. So this is all, I'll just kind of give you an example here. And then you can think, how could I do this in my own life? Or what could I trust God with? Okay, stand there for having fastened on the belt of truth. And I'll stop there and I'll pray. God, is there any truth you want me to believe or know in this situation? And if something comes to mind, I'll pray that back to God. Something like, well, I know that you want me to do this because of this verse. And I'm just gonna, I've just got to trust you with that. And I'm just trying to obey you best I can, best I know how. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, God, I know I'm not perfect. I know I messed up in many, many, many places. But I know that you have given me your righteousness, that I'm protected by the blood of Jesus, and that I'm not standing in my own righteousness. I'm not leaning on me being perfect or me having it all figured out or me never sinning. I'm leaning on your blood and that I'm forgiven, and I can be confident, and I can be protected, and I can know that you love me because of that, and that there really is a sense in which you look at me in your righteousness. And get comfort there, because sometimes 
I'll falsely find my comfort in my own performance. You know, it's like reminding myself, I'm covered by Jesus' blood in this particular situation. Okay? And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. God, what do you want me to do? What should I be ready to do in light of the gospel here? Is there some where I should be ready to forgive? Or is there some um, situation that knowing that I've been forgiven by you, I should be ready to do something? Show me where that is. If there's any unforgiveness in my own heart um, where I'm not really applying the gospel, show me. Um, Help me. Knowing that you love me and you forgive me, not based on anything I've done, how can that bring peace in this situation? Please, would you show me and help me? And I trust that you will. 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. God, I really want to trust you with this whole situation. I know you're in control. You know, before I was even born, all that was going to happen in my life, and so I trust that you have a plan. And I trust you with, with everything with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Would you just help me to believe what's true and not believe any you know, flaming darts? Help me to extinguish whatever I need to extinguish just by trusting you. Please help me. And take up the helmet of salvation. God, I'm so thankful that I'm saved and that I'm protected in the most vulnerable and important area, that no matter what happens, I'm right with you by the blood of Jesus. I'm so thankful for that. <laughs> Thank you that one day uh, I'm going to hear those words, good and faithful servant, you know, well done, despite not being perfect. Yeah, far from it. But I'm thankful that that's protected. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. God, would you just bring a verse to my heart and apply it to my life? I just, would you just even pierce my own heart with, with the word? Okay, so that's kind of just an example. But I think I think that's what Paul meant. I think Paul was talking about the armor of God and we and we really take it on by prayer that each day you're going to go through things and what do you need? You need faith, right? Faith actually applied to all these areas. It's really going to affect your life. Just each one of these pieces of armor are really going to affect your life if you really believe, well, I'm secure not because of my performance, but because of Jesus' righteousness. Think about just believing that every day, how that would change our life. It's like, can I admit my faults? Of course. Why? Because my, my uh, performance is not what commends me to God or to others at all. Jesus, I'm, I'm wearing a breastplate of righteousness that's not my own. It's Christ. Um, just believing that you're saved, <laughs> that's a helmet going throughout the world, Right? I mean, there's a lot going on in the world that's really hard. But just having that one thing secure, like, I know I'm right with God. That's huge. Um, Now, I want to give you one other clue here in the text that I think this is what Paul meant. Verse 19, we already read all this other, but he says, And pray also for me, that the words might be given me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. So, He's wanting us to pray and keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and pray also for him. He's like, it's like he's saying, and I've been talking about prayer for a while, and also pray for me. Um, not just not just for 
all the saints, and that includes me, pray for me, what? That I, that I might open my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador, chain, ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So, well, I just want to give this to you as a tool and also encourage you and challenge you to trust God with the, your things in your daily life. And one way we can do that is prayer. There's, all of us are going through difficulties in our lives, different things. God has us all in different situations. Don't let your faith in Christ just be this thing in the past where you trusted Christ for your sins and now you're forgiven. And that's it. It needs to be a present, growing, and living reality each day, a daily faith. And one way that we can grow is each day by giving these situations we are, the difficult things we're going through, and the good things too, to God and trusting Him that grows our faith. The best way to practice for the future is to do in the now what you want to do in the future, which is trust God. Whenever you lose your keys, you don't remember where you put them, trust God with that little thing. Whenever there's something going on with your kids that's hard, trust God. Stop and pray and in faith give this situation over to God. Ask Him to help you. Why? Because in doing that, what's, what's going to prepare you when there's a bigger thing with your kids? What's going to prepare you when something bigger goes wrong? Trusting God for those things, those little things. God has given you every day practice, opportunity to grow in your faith in Him. And a big way we do that is praying when these things come up. Praying when you don't know what to say in a conversation. It's like, oh, I, I would like to encourage this person. God, I don't know how to help them. Would you just give me the words and then just actually trust them and just feel and just actually receive the peace that comes with that. Like, God, I know I'm insufficient, but I know you, you're sufficient. And whatever, whether you want me to not be the person that helps them or whether you want me to be the person that helps them, I'm trusting you. We want to, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Everything in your life is something that you can view through this lens. It's something that you can trust God with. If you do trust Him with it, that's actually glorifying to God, right? Here comes this difficult situation. Car won't start. And instead of getting worried, getting upset, you might start there, get worried, get upset, and then say, okay, God, I'm going to pray, I'm going to trust you. God, you knew the car wouldn't start today. Help me. Help me to get through with patience and trust in you and get what I need to be done, done. And just take that moment to give it to God in faith. And then if you do that, that glorifies God. It shows that, you're, that God is in your life who he ought to be in all of our lives. He's God. He's in control and someone we can trust. But even when we don't, okay, let's say it's the reverse. Here's this thing in your life that you should trust God with, the car not starting. And you get worried, you get anxious, and you don't give it to God. You just you rush and rush and make all the phone calls, and, you, and you're just anxious and you're impatient, and you didn't trust God with it. And you realize looking back, oh, man, I should have trusted God there. I just I got all worked up. I took it on in my own strength, and I didn't even look to God for help at all. Is that a good thing too? Well, it's not good what you did, but it's good in that it revealed our weakness, so that we can actually grow closer to God. Right? It's a growing. It's a learning opportunity. 
It's like, wow, God brought this situation in my life to show me I, here's an area I need to grow. And the Bible, you know, gives the illustration of gold being the imperfections being tested by fire. It's that same thing. All of us, we have our faith, and God is purifying it with fire. There's times when you get thrown into the fire, and, and it looks like, wow, actually I trusted God with that. And that glorifies God. That's a good thing. And the gold was shown to be pure. There's other times your faith is thrown into the fire, and all these impurities start bubbling out. It's like, oh, wow, I was really impatient there. I was really unbelieving there. I, I really didn't believe God there. But that's also a good thing, isn't it? Don't you want those impurities to rise to the surface so you can see, wow, I, this is an area I need to grow. So the next time you can trust God and glorify him, um, we want those to be scraped off. And God does that today and every day for us. He puts the things in our life. How do we relate this to kind of the whole series we talked about? You know, we talked about those note cards like, Pray for people. One way you can do that is maybe a note card or a list or something like that. What if we add one more thing? What if we pray for people and we put a verse on there? It's like, God, what do you want me to pray for this person? Is there a verse? Is there a promise? Is there something that you want that you have said you're going to do that I can believe for this person? And that could be some, some way we apply this. I hope this has helped you, and I also hope it's a motivator to you to pray. That you have a God who cares and loves you, who's there, who's present, who's real. I mean, there could have been, God could have said, I'm going to take care of all the big things for you, but you're on your own for all the little things. And that would have been a great comfort, right? <laughs> you could say, like, wow, God's going to take care of the big things. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful. I mean, we would take that if that's all we got, right? Wouldn't you want your sins to be forgiven your all these big things to be taken care of, even if God didn't take care of the little things. But that's not how it is, is it? God promised to be with us in everything. And so we can take comfort. Wow, what a great honor and privilege that each day, all that you're going through, you can go to God in faith and prayer. That's a good, it's a wonderful opportunity. And let's imagine, how do you want your life to be a year from now? Maybe if you look back on some of the things where you just really didn't believe God on, where it really just got to you and, and there wasn't this sense of faith. Imagine a year from now, where do you want to be? Whenever that, you know, that thing that always gets under your skin happens, instead of whatever your normal response is, you turn and you pray, God, I need help here. You know my tendency is this. Help me to be like Jesus here. God, I'm really nervous. I'm anxious. I really want to trust you here. Think about the peace and joy and experience of the presence of God that we're giving up by not trusting him each day with many, many things. There's so much. And it's it's there for us. It's offered by grace. And so let's encourage one another in this. And let's grow. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Help us to grow in our faith. Help us to trust him each day. I'll give you one last verse gives you just one specific example. This is Hebrews 13.5. Keep your life free from the love of money. So here's this difficulty. We've got a, a whole culture that wants us to love money, right? And be content with what you have. Well, how am I going to do that? How am I going to just get through life without being infected by this culture, by not getting this overlove of money? For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. 
You see that? Here's this difficulty. Living in this world and love money pulls at you. How are we going to get through life content? We're going to believe what God said. What did he say? I will never leave you or forsake you. You see, he's saying there, the cure for this one specific problem, love of money, is faith. Believing the promises of God. Finding the verse. Finding a verse that applies. And just believing it. I don't need to be pursuing the love of money. Why? I actually believe what God said. I will never leave you or forsake you. That I don't need to find my comfort and and security in money because I've got a God who's my comfort and security. And I'm going to believe that because he said he'll never leave me or forsake me. So just little things like that. Over and over and over we do that in different areas of our life. The areas we struggle. Things that come up day to day. And so I hope this is a blessing to you and a help to you. I hope it's an encouragement to you that you would draw you into prayer. That there is a God. Um, Whether that's you pray through the armor of God like we talked about or whether you just find another verse and you pray it. That take this opportunity to exercise your faith day to day. All right, well, why don't we pray here together and then we'll be dismissed. Father, we're looking to you for help. We want this to be real in our lives, but we need you. And so we're asking you to be near to us and help us uh, increase our faith. We want to trust you more. Um, I pray as things come up, almost sure, it seems like almost inevitably something will go wrong tomorrow as a way to test us (laughs) and teach us. And so help us tomorrow or today, just whatever happens where plans get interrupted. That, you're, that we would really trust you with it and exercise faith. We need your help. We're thankful that you don't leave us on our own, that you want us to keep on growing. Um, be near to us. Thank you so much for taking care of the big things in our life. Thank you for washing away our sins. Thank you for the security of our souls being um, in your hand because of what you did, Jesus, on the cross. Uh, But help us. We want to exercise that same faith um, with the little things going on in our life. We need help, and we're asking for you to be there with us today and tomorrow and the next day. We're thankful that you are. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.